Hello and welcome to episode 191 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. This weekend the feature races are for mares at both Kelso and Newbury as we look ahead to the best jumps racing action this Saturday. Maydown Racecourse hosts the Dubai World Cup night with runners from all over the globe taking part in some terrific Group 1 action. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews the best of the weekend's racing with Wally Pyra looking ahead to Sunday in Hong Kong. So, but it's a great Saturday coming up. We've got Newbury, we've got Kelso, and we've got uh, Maydan as well. Really terrific racing in Maydan to look forward to, and we'll preview three of those big ones coming up, the Group 1s this weekend. And we'll start with Newbury in a moment and then move on to Kelso. But uh, just finishing off from Cheltenham and everything that went on there and, and the winners that we saw and the horses that came out and, and delivered, uh, it was a terrific racing week. Obviously, the Tuesday with Honey, Honeysuckle, Constitution Hill in that hour that people keep talking about. it, And it was for you, it was, you were there. Was it, it was, I was there moment sort of, sort of day? Yeah, it was. It was, you know, Cheltenham is, is Cheltenham. It's a, it's a terrific meeting. It's such an amazing amphitheater for sport. And it lends itself just so well to the to the day, to the occasion. Um, huge crowd, amazing atmosphere, some fairy tale stories, you know, particularly the Honeysuckle one and brilliant performances like Constitution Hill and, and uh, Energumin, who was brilliant and, and, you know, obviously, um, Gallup and Deschamps. It, it's it's great. It is it is the pinnacle of national hunt racing. I was going to say racing for a second, but but it really is. And everything else is. You know, everyone always always tries to say, let's not overhype Cheltenham. There are plenty of other races. There are there are plenty of other races, but there's one Cheltenham, mm. and you can see what the winning means to people when they win races at Cheltenham, and what it means to the crowd and just the whole buzz of the place. It, it, it's it's incredible. I think it's only overhyped, sporting events can be overhyped when the fans sort of get involved. But in this case, with Cheltenham, it's the owners, the trainers, the jockeys that really want to win those races. So it's not really overhyped at all because the professionals want to win them, don't they? Yeah. And you can see, yeah, the professionals do. And you can see what it means to to the trainers. I mean, I, I personally like like it when the smaller yards win their races because... Mm-hmm. It means so much. It's just, you know, without being disrespectful to the kind of Mullins and Elliots of the world, you know, it's kind of, it's just another winner. But for um, for the for the smaller yards, you can see like the raw emotion. I was watching Jamie Snowden's reaction, reaction to you wear it well. And it's just, it means so much to them because it is really the pinnacle. And if you're taking a team of three or four horses rather than a team of 90 horses, um, it, it makes it that bit, bit bit more special to actually win one. Um, but no, I, I I loved it. I thought it was a, a great four days racing, and yeah, it it, it remains the, the pinnacle of our sport. And just to finish on on that, and, and to be fair to the pros again, when Gallop in the Shell won the Gold Cup, Willie Mullins had a bit of a tear in his eye. Nicky Henderson was totally tearful when Constitution Hill blasted him away, and Paul Nichols was jumping up and down and had a bit of a tear in his eye when uh, Stay Away Faye won. So even the, those guys that have been there, done it, won so many races there. It still means so much to them, doesn't it? Yeah, well, Paul Nichols spoke about the pressure. He spoke about the pressure that no one sees, no one feels. Um, it is enormous pressure for these guys. And look, I didn't want to belittle the fact that um, if you're running 90, it doesn't mean as much. If you're running... 80 or 90 horses you're going to have winners it's just a it, it's just a numbers game but um the emotion of it all for lots of these guys um yeah it, it, it means the world and you know there were some brilliant riding performances you know i thought um the, the ride that paul townend gave gallop and shot was extraordinary mm-hmm. I, I was actually standing the other side of the paddock by the by the wing room and i was watching it on the screen and i was watching it thinking to have, forgive my French, the bollocks to ride it like that and to sit motionless when you're one mistake from putting yourself out the race with the pressure that he's under with every ride he's had being scrutinized by his own trainer, let alone the press, yeah. um, just showed the class act that he actually is. 
And look, he makes mistakes. You know, when you step in and replace someone like Ruby, it's impossible. You're you're, you're replacing one of the best that's ever ridden. Mm-hmm. But he's a very, very talented jockey, and he demonstrated his skills in, in a brilliant kind of flawless Gold Cup ride. And to do that on the back of last year in the Turners, when falling at the last one clear, it shows even more steel, doesn't it? Really, because it could have gone so badly wrong this year, but he he did it. He rode to perfection. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just the, the confidence you give the horse, the confidence you give yourself, and you don't panic. And if he'd rushed the horse up down, around the outside early and been in front three out, he might not have won. It's just, he's just, um, I, I thought I thought the ride deserved the plaudits it got. I thought it was terrific. Let's have a look at this weekend's action. We'll uh, start with Newbury, one thirty, two miles three, furlongs for a novice's handicap hurdle. We've got Inniston at the top of the market for the very much informed Gary Moore team, uh, owned by Ollie Harris, who's got a few horses in the yellow with the black seams, and they've been winning. So has Gary. He's got a great strike rate. Got his son, Jamie, on board. This horse ran second, a good second on heavy going um, behind Crambo recently. We've got Toothless in there for Paul Nichols, who won a win. Canton, Blow Your Wads had a wind up for Tom Lacey and Atlanta Brave Kerry Lee also in the race. How do you see this open here, the 130, Bill? Yeah, I think that, well, the key is to, is to say they're racing there Friday. Um, the ground is soft. They've had 35 millimetres of rain in the week. The sun is shining today. Um, it looks like there's some potential showers later today, um, but it's going to be dry and windy on Saturday. It's basically going to be soft ground that's drying. I don't think it'll ever hit good to soft. It'll just be that kind of drying, softish stuff. It'll be hard work. Um the opening contest looks intriguing. I'm a big fan of Inniston. Um, I set about this race looking to try and oppose him, um, but I just think he'll win. I know he's about three to one. Um, he'll handle the bad ground. It was a really good run last time. He is up seven pounds for that, um, but the pair, him and Crambo, are very good horses, and they were clear of good horses. So we know the scale of um, the achievement. When... Inniston got beaten by stablemate Jupiter de Guy in that weird race on New Year's Eve. When Gary Moore did his interview, he 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 spoke of the regard in which they hold Inniston. Now, Inniston was always one on the radar. Weirdly, Inniston was a horse that we knew had a huge reputation because we were I mean, and He was in a, a few races that Rare Edition was in and we were kind of trying to avoid him. Um, the first couple of runs didn't really go according to plan. He got off the market sand down and then was really good there last time. He just feels like he's better than a 124 horse. And look, 11 stone 10 won't be easy on this kind of ground. But I'd be very surprised if he's not not the one to beat. Um, there's a fair bit of money around for Atlanta Brave. Um, Kerry Lee's horse who who's, you know, on a, on a winning run. I, I can totally see that. I can actually see artistic choice going well too but particularly with no weight and you got 10 stone three for, for michael bell but i just think innocent will grind it out and win at 205 it's two and a half miles handicap chase got 10 going to post for this one heltonham is the name of the horse trained by dan skelton who i saw winning at newcastle when i was working uh one of those days they won quite nice on that occasion won even better at false last in february by four lengths horse that's going places but the handicapper it's moved him up from 109 for that first win at Newcastle to 123. So much harder. Espar de Goy's in there as well. He's had the wind up two starts ago. Didn't seem to work last time out. He was beaten 18 lengths, having been beaten 43 lengths the time before. When your second favourite, Bill's been beaten so far in his last two races, is it hard to oppose a, a horse that's on the up? Yeah, I mean... This, this I thought was one of the trappier races because you've got the like the progressive type of Heltonham and then you've got the likes of kind of Espoir de Guy and Riders on the Storm who've got that back form and it's just whether they can return to their best and the clear, it's clear to my that if Espoir de Guy and all Riders on, on, the, on the Storm return to anything like their best they're going to take plenty of beating here. I mean Riders on the Storm is now down to a mark of of 139 and you know we've you got to remember Riders in the Storm won, won the Ascot chase three years ago um, you know beat beat obviously surname came down but that was a grade one winning performance when, when rated 162 and here you are rated 139 you're kind of 20 pounds l- lower visor on for the first time 
<laughs> he'll definitely have his supporters and if he bounced back he bounced back but he's 10 now the best days behind him yes is he good enough to win this probably it's just a price thing um I I thought a couple that would go well at decent prices in this race that I would probably, if I was betting on the race, I would probably play. Um, Mezia de Zobo, who's as fragile as you like, I was really surprised to see. I actually fancied him at Wincanton on his return and he kind of blew up, visibly blew up, was just kind of needed that run after a, after a, a, another year absence. Lightly raced. Um, it was gutsy last time at Warwick. Beat Knight in Dubai. That was, I thought, was a really impressive run on ground that I thought would be too quick. The ground's going to be fine for him. Will he bounce? Potentially. But I just thought he would be shorter than he is. He's around 9-1. to one. Um, That was off a, off a mark of, of 136. He's now up to 138. Only a couple of pounds. I just always felt the Messier de Zobo is, is better than this. And Alan King's been amongst the winners recently. I just thought Messier de Zobo at kind of 9-1 to one was, was worth a, a, a chance. As was Numitor. Numitor's a horse um that i've long he's a complete outsider of this field he's 14 to 1 um outsider second run back after wind uh, for heather main and you know two starts back was running here just before christmas at the, at the old hennessy meeting when third to paint the dream off 142 is now seven pounds lower again so he's sliding in the handicap heather main's been amongst the winners recently is a horse that now might be that wind surgery might just have made a bit of a difference now second run back and you know going back to this time last year was bolting up off off not far off this mark with Tom Scudamore at, at Donny and I just thought Numator would run well here so I, I'll probably play the pair I'll probably play Messi de Zobo at 9 and Numator at 14 There's a maximum field of 18 in the feature race at Newbury 240 2 miles 4.5 furlongs the grade 2 National Hunt Mayor's Novices Hurdle, where Ruby Island will be popular, but this could be an open betting market, something for you to really get into here. Mark Walford trains Ruby Island, who won a couple of starts ago, actually won three starts ago as well at Air, then Weatherby, went back to Air and was beaten on the line, but just edged right late on in the day. They've got cheap pieces on for the first time on Saturday. Is that going to help Ruby Island maybe get another victory for her? Yeah, possibly. I, 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 I like Ruby Island. Um, around the seven to one mark, she, she's got pieces on for the first time, which might kind of help her concentrate a bit more. She, she probably was a bit of an unlucky loser last time. Ground a potential niggle, but I think it's gonna gonna start to begin to dry out a bit. So it's not terrible, terrible ground. I thought Ruby Island was was probably the most kind of progressive of these, and that was a big step up in trip last time. To, to this distance and it didn't seem to kind of inconvenience her I thought she was the 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 most likely one um but I mean if, of all the races all all day I thought this was the trappiest um you've probably got seven or eight horses covered by a couple of points in the market and it's really hard to to fathom I mean Orbis Walk is an obvious one for Kenny Alexander and and and, and Nikki Richards, but um, she's just looked a bit kind of wayward. She hung so badly left last time that that just worries me. I I always feel in these competitive kind of heats at Newbury that you don't want to be giving ground away by hanging one way or the other. Um, I was going to go with with Ruby Island as my main kind of um, play, but I'm going to have a saver on Blue Beach. Around the 12, 14 to one mark, right the way down the bottom. Particularly the ground gets toughish. I thought pieces on for the first time uh, for Mel Rowley. Blue Beach was a really good winner of, of, a, of a terrible race last time. Uh, slips in here off a really lenient mark of, of kind of 108. I just feel that Blue Beach, she, she, she might well be better than that. There's a piece of form in her back catalogue back in October where... Um, she was second to You Wear It Well, who obviously won the Mayor's Novices at um, Cheltenham. And she was favourite to beat You Wear It Well. And she kept on, was was just blown out of the way by the winner. We know how good that winner is now. And that's a very good run um, taken in isolation. And I've just got a feeling that she's still quite well handicapped and small yard... Alex Ebers taking three pounds off. Yeah, I, I thought Blue Beach was 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 the bet at kind of 12s each way. But yeah, I'll play the pair. I'll play Ruby Island and Blue Beach. 
Okay, that's the action from Newbury. Kelso had their big day in the sun a few weeks ago when they had the Moore bottle, but they got the TV cameras back again on Saturday. We've got four races to cover there. They start at 150, two miles, five furlongs. Some big fields as well for Bill to look forward to here. Handicap hurdle, and it's a series final. So most of these, they've either won or been placed. And and some of the trainers that we don't get to see on ITV very much. I know Sue Smith is probably not one of those, but the likes of Dara Burke in there, R. Mike Smith is in there, Susan Corbett has got a runner, uh, Diane Sayers in there, Rose Dobbin, Sandy Thompson. It gives these trainers with smaller yards up in the north of England and in parts of Scotland as well. A, a nice day in the sunshine for them on the TV in this 150. And again, they're going to go about five to one the field. How did you see the opener? Yeah, I thought this was trappy. Uh this was the hardest car race on the kind of Kelso card. Ground's not going to be terrible. They're calling it good to soft. Um, we saw Kelso on the TV. It looked quite hard work last time. You have to see it out quite well. Um, this was obviously a competitive handicap hurdle um, final. It's um, it, it it's horrible because there are there are probably half a dozen at least potentially well in winners lurking in here mm. and the front three in the market prairie wolf coral blue and you can fools they all tick plenty of boxes because they're informed they're holding their form they're tough they'll handle the ground they'll stay the trip um it's a matter of coin tossing because th there's there's a, a pound or two between them it's very hard to kind of um work out which one to to go with the safest play would be Prairie Wolf um, for Sue Smith. Um, he's just holding his form well. Was a bit unlucky last time. He's got form on heavy. If the ground was to be worse than described, which I'm not sure it will be, but it's just it's just reached a level where um, the, the kind of resilience and toughness and consistency counts for lots in these races. I suppose the issue is he's up another five pounds. That does make life tougher. Um, but I, I, I marginally preferred him. Coral Blues won. Um, won his last two and comes here in good nick plenty to like it's just again the handicap as I say was 94 you're now up to 107 so it's 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 certainly life's a lot a lot tougher off nearly a stone higher mark um, I thought this was woefully hard it was going to be very small stakes if I had to play I'd probably just play Prairie Wolf but it wasn't a race that, that I wanted to get heavily involved in because I thought it was so hard well, there's an intriguing race at 225, which is a handicap hurdle. Just the seven runners over three and a quarter miles. Uh, I was working last week when Spike Jones won at Fontwell on heavy going over this trip. And normally at Fontwell, when you come up the hill at the end, you, they're, they're walking. But this horse was pulling away. Problem with that is he's gone up six pounds for the victory. He had Danny Burton on board, who had a five pound claimer and replaced by Sean Bowen. So theoretically, if you don't include the jockey's talent, he's gone up 11 for a win seven days ago on heavy going at Fontwell over this trip. I suppose on the other side, you've got Jet Legs, who's possibly going to be the favourite, who was also a winner, and that was at Weatherby. He's gone up £5, but he's stepping up in trip for an extra two furlongs for the first time. Seven days on heavy going at Fontwell to come back and do it again at Kelso. That's going to take some doing for Spike Jones, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was. And, and Spike Jones is not, is not the biggest um, out there and just tough. Um, I watched the replay of that of, of the Fontwell race that you're talking about and he kind of peeled off the bend a bit like a greyhound and nicked a couple of lengths and kept running and kept running. And it, it looked hard work. But like you say, he hasn't had a huge amount of time to get over it. Um, stays well, tries, got a really nice attitude. I mean, the front three in the market are all quite similar in, in Jet Leg, Spike Jones and Theme Tune. They're all good stayers. Um, they're all holding their form well. Bit deja vu of the last race. And, you know, like you say, Jet Legs, it probably appeals the most of them. Um, being really consistent, the further he goes up in trip, the better he seems to get. And, you know, handles all grounds. One well going away last time. Um, that was off 102, up five pounds, but the step up in trip will probably help. And theme tune is a is Nick Alexander's horse, again been winning over over this kind of three miles three mile trip. Um, came back in trip 
from running here at Kelso was beaten here back in November over three and a quarter miles and, 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 and they persisted to drop back in trips and that would be a negative around theme tune. Um, this will be quite hard work and they could get racing a long way out. I was going to go a bit left field here and I was going to take a chance on Flower of Scotland, Sandy Thompson's um, eight-year-old who is better known for chasing exploits. Um, won the Scottish Borders National here over fences two starts back uh, back in December over four miles. Um, that was a really good run off 114 um, over fences. Now rated 122 over fences. Um, followed that up with a good run last month at Musselburgh when, when third in the Edinburgh National um, off, off the revised mark of 122, which was, which was a solid, solid run. Um, there was just reasons to think that Switching back to hurdles off 117. If you go back through the catalogue of hurdling form, you go back to December 21, was a good winner here over two and a half miles in a mare's novice. Um, uh, beat a horse with Gordon Elliott's Motown Maggie um, that day. And just his versatile, handles the track really well, handles all ground, stays really well. Uh, may just be off a fair enough mark off 117, considering... He's still competitive off off a kind of five pound higher mark over fences. I thought 117 over hurdles may be dangerous to dismiss uh, Flower of Scotland, and I just thought at the prices 17 to nine to one was probably a big price Flower of Scotland compared to the front three who could take it in turns. Uh, any one of them could win, but um, yeah, no Flower of Scotland at, at kind of nine to one for me would be the bet. We've got another series final for the mares. It's a novice handicap hurdle at three o'clock over two miles. Field and nine, and this race evolves around Bonte. Really, cheek pieces on for the first time for Fergal O'Brien. Obviously, Paddy Brennan in the saddle. She won a couple of uh, bumpers at Cheltenham back in twenty one. Then one won, ran a couple of seconds again in twenty two, and then in twenty twenty three she had a win at Exeter over the extended two miles there, and just came up short when stepped up in trip. Last time out, she got cheap pieces on for the first time and dropped back to two miles. Is that the the, the positive? Is that what's going to get her home on Saturday? I think so. I mean, she's not straightforward and she she would be the selection. Um, the issue is the price. This is a horse that was seven to two, three to one and continues to collapse in the market. You're now looking at kind of best price nine to four at the time of recording on, on Friday morning. I mean, Bonte with pieces on for the first time for the O'Brien team looks the obvious one. Um, she was second at the, in the, the, the kind of Paddy Power meeting at Cheltenham. She was second to Queen's Gamble in the immediately uh, daylight was second. Um, but with horses we mentioned before, Fortuna Linga and Ruby Island who are trusting their stuff at Newbury. Um, Bonte was a good second that day, was well fancied. Um, and the return to this kind of trip um, with pieces on, yeah, it's... It's hard to to think that she won't win here. Um, it's just whether you want to take the price. I mean, you can make cases out um, for plenty of the others. Um, uh, Jane de Burley's been been warm in the, in the market. Um, you know, just as, even when we're talking, there's the the blue appearing across odds checker as she continues to shorten up Bon Bonte. And every horse every horse has a price. And there becomes a point where you've got to stand back and say, no, she's too short. And that's the hardest thing about doing what we do now on a Friday ahead of a Saturday is that um, you as the punter have to kind of make the decision on the day as to whether something is value or the price is gone. Now, if I said, right, 5 to 2, 11 or 4, Bonte, yeah, I'd say that's she's the one, she's the most obvious. I wouldn't really want to back her sub 2 to 1 because she is quirky. She's not, she's not particularly straightforward. Um, and... You know, the top one, Autumn Returns, Ruth Jefferson's um, mayor, is is in good form, was a good second at Newcastle last time. Um, she won't run badly. She's up, up rated 113. Um, you know, there comes a point where she almost becomes more attractive each way, better eight <laughs> compared to the favourite Bonte. But um, I still think Bonte would be the one, but, but be careful on the price. Don't get sucked in at too short a price. But she looks a cut above these. One more race from Kelso, 3.35, three and a quarter miles, handicapped chase with 10 runners. Uh, another one that really dominates, uh, probably not so much the betting, but uh, certainly the eyes, forward plan for Anthony Honeyball. And he's won his last two races, both at Southern, one over this trip of three and a quarter, one over three miles, was second before that, 
one at Fontwell as well. Another couple of seconds. Horses really right up there in all of his runs recently. Obviously, he's going up in the weights. He's now rated 125, having one of, what, 107 back in November of last year. And the Clongower way goes in there for John McConnell, who hasn't won since May of last year, when winning at Wexford. But uh, Anthony Honeyball's done well with Ford, plan, Bill. Yeah, it was really impressive winner at Southall um, a couple of weeks back. Um, beat a good inform horse called Lord Sparky, beat it silly and it's gone up another 10 pounds because of it and you know that winning run of 111 well the winning run began at front of 107 back at Fontwell it's now nearly eight or 18 pounds higher life is tough but travel really well last time um feels a bit short for um for a race of this competitive nature at a track that he's not been to and you know Kelso is a bit unique but Ben Goffrey gets a good tune out of him he's got a lovely racing rate just 10 stone 3 when you take off the 3 pounds there's loads to like about forward plan just the price isn't great um, already as skinny as like 5 to 2 in a place like Paddy Power it's it's very short and definite question marks for me uh, most likely when a yes bet at the price is no um, if that makes sense um, I would probably, in a race like this, would like to take the two Sandy Thompson horses um, and, and kind of Dutch them. Hill 16, um, towards the, the top of the weights, uh, had a wind up since we last saw him, but has been running uh, well consistently, particularly at Kelso. Um, this time last year was second to nuts well in that premier chase, uh, only beaten a length. Um, and only a couple of starts, starts later, which was two starts back in October, was third third to sound uh, Russian. Sounds Russian in that Edinburgh Gin chase with, with I right and second, but good horses in behind, like Castle Robin and Darasha Counter. And does he know there were good horses in behind Hill 16 that day? Um, that was off a mark of one four five, two starts back. Here we are, a couple of runs later after Windop didn't run badly behind Ashdown Lad over the beach offences, had a bit of a break, had some wind surgery. Um, yeah, I thought I thought Hill 16 was pretty rock solid despite the big weight. I thought um, uh, 6 to 1 Hill 16 was more than fair enough. And stablemate Doyen Breed, Ryan Mania rides that around 8 to 1. Uh, again, Kelso form, second to Manila Drama last time over, over 2-5. Um, that was obviously too short a trip but previously been doing stuff over further that was a return to form now if you go back through the back catalogue of Dorian Breed's form you go back and see this is a horse that was operating in the 140s um, just over a year ago um, when you know second to 300 through 5 at Warwick and you know you rated 142 second to does he know at Ascot off 142 suddenly 131 seems a much more workable mark and whether he needs a few more runs to get back into form, I don't know. But Doyne Breed definitely took a step forward last time. And I thought those two, the track we know, they both operate well. I thought you could pair, pair the both of them. Hill 16 at sixes and Doyne Breed at 15 to two. I thought that would do for me. Okay, that's the jumps action for Saturday then with Bill. Let's have a quick look at three of the group ones. And May Dan, it's a Dubai World Cup night, of course, in Dubai on Saturday. Loads of group races. There are five group ones in total, a couple of group twos as well. Uh, just uh, a terrific day's racing. Of course, we're going to look at the 310, which is the uh, Dubai Turf. Just two and a half million for the winner on this one. Can't believe uh, you haven't got a horse in there. But anyway, uh, 16 <laughs> runners and an international field, which is absolutely terrific to see. And the Japanese are going to be very, very popular because they keep going over the world all over the globe and winning these kind of races. Got Seraphos who's in there with the Damien Lane in the saddle for Japan. A grade one winner of the Mal Championship, won a grade two the time before that. We've got our old friend Lord North, who dead heated in this race last year with uh, Panther Lassa in the race as well for the Gosdens and Dan and Belugas in there, Nation's Pride, Real World, and Masters of the Seas. Uh, three horses from Godolphin in there as well. And Order of Australia goes for Aidan O'Brien. So Busker's in the race. He's always in these races. Um, the Japanese, they're going to dominate in Dubai. 
Yeah, I think I, th- I think they probably will again. I mean, this race has has changed somewhat in that um, we lost Dojuice, who was who was a real fancy Japanese raider, was going to be favourite for this. Um, was lame on Friday morning, so uh, wasn't drawn particularly well, but was obviously going to ap- appeared like the most likely winner of the contest. Um, so that that that's a shame. Um, Serifos is the most interesting one a four-year-old super talented japanese raider this is his first kind of international foray um which all <laughs> it doesn't seem to stop the 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 kind of fellow compatriots in the past and this seraphos has a big reputation one is last two uh it's been very competitive in the very best of races um uh in 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 tokyo uh going right the way back to when fourth to song line in in the in the yasuda kinnan uh, back in june last year um top top class form uh this is an extra furlong but there's no reason to think that it won't this won't stay it um i find it very hard to oppose him lord north seven now got great dubai record but we you know, showed his, his well-being on the all-weather last time um but you just wonder whether whether he'll have the gears to to, to reel in Seraphos. Um of the Godolphin army, they've got Nation's Pride, Real World, Master of the Seas. William Buett's gone for Nation's Pride. I thought Nation Pride was probably the overpriced one if there was an overpriced one in the race. You can get 17 to 2 each way. Hills, for example, I think five places. I think Nation's Pride each way at 17 to 2 is probably the way I'd end up playing this race from a betting point of view. Um was fifth in the Breeders' Cup. As many people remember this horse was favourite for the Breeders' Cup turf and just didn't perform, but had previously travelled the world really well. Had quite a busy campaign leading up to the to that. Travelled to America backwards and forwards and maybe the bridge too far and looked really good at, at Maidan on his reappearance and this trip should be fine for him. A good stay a nation's pride. I thought each way, each way, 17 to 2, um, five places with Hills. Nation's Pride was the way I'd play the race, but I expect Seraphos to win. We boost the prize money to three million for the winner at four o'clock. It's a mile and a half, the Longines Dubai Shima Classic, obviously another group one. And we'll hear from Wally Pyra a little bit later on about to the Hong Kong. And he mentions Equinox in his uh, little chat with me, who uh, the Japanese say can't be beaten. Equinox going to be an even money favourite with Christophe Lemaire on board, a group one winner. Of his last two races, including the Arima Kinnan, uh, which was a Grand Prix race. He won that one only in December. He won back in October in the Tenno Show in the autumn race there. Rebels Romance has done nothing wrong for Charlie Appleby and Godolphin. And Mostadaf is in there having won in uh, Saudi, won the, the Neom Turf Cup. That was a Group 3, though. And Westover's in there. He's got Ryan Moore on board for Rafe Beckett. Uh, interesting to see how he gets on the son of Frankel. But again, the Japanese this time with Equinox of the upper hand here. Yeah. yeah. In, in essence, we could keep it fairly short. Equinox is one of the best in the world. We we know that Equinox is super talented. Just the back, you know, his form two starts ago when he won the Tenno show in, in, in Tokyo back in October. You know, he had Panther Lassa, who won the Saudi Cup back in second that day. Um, Dan on Beluga, Sharar back in fifth. We know, you know, Sharar won this Shima Classic 12 months ago. Um, we just know the level of this horse's form and he's super talented, Equinox. There's, there's no getting away from it. Um, proper good stayer, one over one mile, four and a half last time. Um, just already won five million quid in, in prize money. He's going to go right to the top of the tree. You can see this horse going to an arc. Um, Equinox is the very best of what they have to offer and the Japanese are taking over the world when it comes to middle distance top horses um, even money you try everything to oppose it you say right I'm going to go for the Breeders' Cup win a Rebels Romance on home turf or I'm going to go for Mostadaf who was brilliant last time or Westover is the best of, that we can offer um, the reality is they just won't be good enough I don't think um, Equinox just lets a cut above these I'd be very very surprised if there's anything in this field good enough to beat Equinox. I can see the kind of each way plays on Rebels Romance at six and I can totally see why people are playing that but I think Equinox is different gear to these. Um, I think it'll run really well. I could see funny enough um, Russian Emperor, the Hong Kong horse running well. Mm -hmm. I think he'll get a true run mile and a half to run at here. Um, 
which I think is what he wants, and shaped pretty well in his trial here last time. This is a real hot water, though, so he can run a cracker and come fourth or fifth again. But at 33 or 40 to 1, I could see definitely worse each way bets than, than Russian Emperor. But the truth of the situation is they're all going to be chasing um, Equinox's shadow. If he, if, if he reappears in the same form he's been in, I think he's probably one of the best middle distance horses around, and I think he'll win. It's only worth six million, the main race of the day at Maydown. Mile and a quarter, Dubai World Cup, sponsored by Emirates Airline, Group One, four thirty-five. Big field though, fifteen of them. You would imagine there would be for that prize money. Last year's winners in again. Bob Baffert brings over country grammar with Frankie Dettori on board. Box office indeed. Baffert and Frankie, what a combo! But they were beaten over in Saudi by uh, Panther Lassa, who's in this race. Again, this year, obviously ran in another race last year, but Panthalas is in this one this time around. But uh, Country Grammar's possibly not going to be the favourite, although been in second last time out in that Saudi Cup. Won a great two at Santa Anita the time before. That has been second a couple of times. But Algiers for Simon and Ed Crisford, with James Doyle on board, is the likely favourite for this at the moment. I'm not sure how odds checker are going red or blue on, on this particular race, but a winner at Maidan in, in a uh, Group 2 in February, I guess it's the way that he won the Son of Shavada, won by six lengths, he won by six and a half the time before that. What a big day for Simon Christopher this would be. Yeah, big day. And, you know, I I, I backed um, I backed Algiers back at Newmarket in October when... Um, when he was sixth to Ottoman fleet <laughs> in a listed race at Newmarket. And here he is, warm favourite for one of the world's richest horse races. Um, the madness of horse racing. Eh? Algiers, look, he's been brilliant on the surface over there. Um, he continues to impress. Um, it's just been a revolution since he was, he, he was reeled in by Mr. Cut um, in that, Churchill stakes back in November on the all weather went clear and just headed on the line by Mr. Cut. Um, but since then has just looked turned inside out, dropped in trip um, over one mile, one mile, one and a half. This all, this, this trip is a bit tougher going up a bit further. That dominant running style when they commit half a mile from home and, and pour it on is, is, is a, is a pretty hard maneuver around this place. Country grammar looks the most solid of these second in the Saudi Cup last year and came on and won this second in the Saudi Cup this year very big chance of coming on and winning it there was something a bit brutal about the Saudi Cup but country grammar seems to kind of thrive on that as a prep and for Frankie and Bob Baffert looks the obvious one for me at the prices around four to one uh, with William Hill, that looks more than fair. Country Grammar, they're offering full five, the four places each way. Skybet offering five places each way. Um, but I would go Country Grammar if I was to throw a bit of a hail mary, one at a big price. Um, June Lightbolt completely bombed out in the Saudi Cup when fancied. Um, got some really good back show for a Japanese Raider June Lightbolt. I can see this horse going really well. Ryan Moore rides again. Um, Without going to boring detail, the Saudi Cup, you didn't really want to come up the inside there like he did, and everything was still out wide, but Ryan just stayed on two off the rail the whole way around and was stuck in the mud and stuck out the back and finished 7 of the 13, plugging on. Um, I can see this horse running a lot better now. Um, this track might suit a bit better, and at 20 to 1 is, is a spectre each way, but I think Country Grammar is the main selection. So let's have a look at the racing on Sunday in Hong Kong this weekend at Sha Tin Racecourse. Our expert Wally Pyra joins us to look ahead to the race card coming up. But before we do that, we should look back, Wally, at the BMW Hong Kong Derby last Sunday that Voyage Bobble won in an incredible kind of race, drawn in 14, held up at the back. But Alexi Badel, the jockey, made his move in the back straight and not on the bends. And, and that saved him many lengths, didn't it? It did indeed. It was um, an incredible result and a shock result for probably 95, 97% of uh, 
anybody that had a flutter in the race. It was just a horse that didn't look like it would get the um, the 10 furlongs, bad draw, and all in all, a hugely surprising result. I have to say, though, from from a form perspective, I noticed that the it was the lowest rated derby in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So that's basically telling you what it was. It was a bunched finish. Um, you said that Tuchel ran very well in that race. Uh, Purton still cannot believe that he got beat on his beauty eternal. He just mm. thought that he was in the right place at the right time and he would go on and win and it didn't happen. And you had so many unlucky horses in, in the contest, um, primarily sword point. Bowman was following Beauty Eternal through. He thought that was the one to follow that would take him into the race. Well, unfortunately, he didn't. Yeah. And and the other one, Straight Aaron from Casper Farms Yard, he had a, a terrible passage. <laughs> but all in all, so really and truly, if you wanted to take the form at face value, you'd be very, very difficult to do it. So I'm sure that derby form is not right and we'll see, we'll see in the in the coming months yeah. uh, what happens. But a shock result, move on. I know that James McDonald is officially the number one jockey in the world by the rankings. I don't know how they do all this, but I've got to say that Ryan Moore, who was drawn in one, gave Tuchel a brilliant ride because he kept him on the rail all the way and when he needed to find the space, he found it and only beaten the short head. A terrific ride on a 10-to-1 shot. I mean, Ryan is just brilliant at the moment. And, and you know, watching the race, just watching the replay of him in, on the inside was, was fantastic. But, you know, you said it so many times on the podcast that jockeys are so important in Hong Kong. You've got to know the track. You've got to know how to ride it. And certainly... The jockey on voyage bubble with the trainer and the tactics and Ryan on Tuchel and and being brave stayed up the rail. They were you know they have got the first two places and the jockeys have have really changed the complex of the race, haven't they? Yes, they have. But as as you're right, you're talking about jockeys. I've always said that jockeys make so much difference, especially in the territory of um, Sha Ting, hmm. and it's it's. Jockeys, it's a real dog-eat-dog environment for jockeys in Hong Kong. Make one mistake and you're out. And I'm I'm highlighting that because in the 7.40 over a mile on Sunday, um, there's a horse called Owner's Praise. Now, jockey Derek Lung, um, last month, he came from last to first on this horse over seven furlongs. And it was a great piece of riding. Um, three weeks ago, he rides the horse again. It's again over seven furlongs. Unfortunately, this time, he gets himself all dressed up and nowhere to go down the home straight. The horse's favourite gets beat. Owner's connections, not happy. He's quickly dispatched to the sidelines. And... Uh, Zach Purton takes over. Now, this has happened to Derek Lung um, a few occasions this this season. He's riding exceptionally well. He's, I mean, he's one of his best ever seasons. It happened to him, um, I think, last month when he rode a horse called Mighty Stride. He found himself boxed in on the rails, couldn't get a run. Nobody happy, short mm. price favourite, kicked into touch. Hugh Bowman takes over. Guess what? Hugh Bowman wins on that horse on uh, last Sunday. So all in all, make a mistake in Hong Kong. Probably yeah. Perton's the only jockey that could get away with it. But you make a mistake and that's it. It's winner takes all and uh, one shot and out. Now, going back to owner's, owner's praise, he's got draw three. Um, but more importantly, he steps up to a mile for the first time. And being by being a son of Toronado, this trip will really suit. So given luck in running, he's going to be definitely a horse to beat. Um, the main attraction on Sunday, I have to say, is the five furlong sprint at 8.40. It's a mm-hmm. class three, but this is a really, really good contest. You've got 14 runners. 
including four last start winners um, and one horse, Cheval Valiant, who's joined a select band of sprinters in Hong Kong that have dipped under 56 seconds over the five furlong track. Not too many have done it. I think it's about, I think probably around about a dozen horses in the last 18 months or so have gone under 50, uh, 56 seconds. He, unfortunately, he's, he's renowned as a short runner, but when he won recently, he didn't stop. He was stopping, but he didn't stop quick enough for the other horses to catch him up. He gets a penalty, but he's up in class, so his weight is low. So, He'll be fancy to follow up. But, as I say, you've got four last start winners in this race, um, like uh, uh, Run Run Cool, who won last time out. Um, who else have we got here? Oh, I'm, I'm looking down. Well, as I say, Cheval, um, Valiant, etc. But the one horse you probably would like to look at is this um, lightly raced horse, Seasons Wit from the Jamie Richards Yard, which had Purton on him first up at Happy Valley. Class three, it's very, very difficult for a, a first up starter at Happy Valley to win in a class three. Well, he was just caught on the line. He subsequently trialled against a, a very good sprinter in Hong Kong called Nervous Witness. So his chances are there. He, he's sure to be up in the firing line. He's got a good draw, high number. He'll go well. But for anybody who's looking for the each-way race, because remember, this is going to be run at such a blistering pace, mm -hmm. keep an eye on a horse called Nikoni County. It's got Sylvester D'Souza on it this time. D'Souza came back from his ban, had a winner um, on Wednesday. It's got a good barrier 12, which is near the stands rail. He was running on quite strongly behind Run Run Cool uh, recently. But this overall pace is going to suit Nikoni County really up to a T. So anybody who's looking for a bit of an each-way saver, that would be the horse to go. And finally, I mean, those are the sort of the races to look at uh, Charlton on Sunday. But we've got to remember that Hong Kong at long last is represented in Dubai. Tomorrow, Indeed. you know, yeah, I was going to talk to you about yeah, that. Actually, yeah, they've got a they've got a few runners. Uh, one of the most interesting ones is this site success. Now, site success is in the Al Quaz uh, Al Quaz Sprint, and that's a race that Hong Kong's had a bit of success in over the last well since he's, um, since you've had horses running in it. I mean, it was the last victory they had was a horse called Amber Sky, and I remember it well because it was in Hong Kong and a whole. Uh, the whole of the town went ballistic, <laughs> celebrating because this horse had won. Um, he's a, a sprinter that probably Hong Kong uh, enthusiasts would know pretty well. He's just that little bit short of the top class, like the Wellingtons, the Lucky Swainers, etc. But nevertheless, he's a very smart sprinter. It's good to see that John Size has sent him over. He's got your jockey on him, Ryan Moore. Ryan Moore has picked him to ride. He's got a good barrier. Um, I see he's quite near the forefront of the betting in the race, so that's mm. probably Hong Kong's best chance of a win. Glorious Dragon in the Dubai turf. I think it's great to see Neil Callan. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he fell out a little bit when he left Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's riding it. And then you've got in the Dubai Shima Classic, you've got Russian Emperor that won in Doha, and sen Senor Toba, Senor Toba yeah. with Frank with Frankie de Tori on it. I mean, so all <laughs> in all, you've got a well, and not forgetting Duke Wire, must not the old perennial yeah. sprinter, you know. So all in all, it's a it's they represented by a few decent horses. If they get a winner, they'll be very very lucky. Maybe sight yeah. success is the horse to go, but you can promise there'll be plenty of gambling. Um, because it's a, um, a what do you call it race simulcast so, racing right. over there world pool Whirlpool, so yes. there'll be millions and millions of dollars we bet on this meeting tomorrow but, and hopefully they get a winner I know she's not from Hong Kong she's Japanese but she did win the Hong Kong Vars who remember win Marilyn's in that race as well <laughs> so it brings a bit of Hong Kong form into the Dubai and, and, and I mean you look at the horses in Dubai on on, on World Cup night, and they are just an incredible 
array of talent from across the globe and it's great that hong kong are involved in that and you know if you're in it you can win it can't you i, th I think you just mentioned win win marilyn i think the, the funny i see the odds the odds makers have made win marilyn a 20 to 1 shot now, I, I know it's incredible that. isn't and it now i haven't quite looked but all i all i would pass on and i know that mr resdale will come through with his his good thoughts Yes. for uh, Dubai. To, but all I can tell you is from my my friends in Asia, um, they obviously can't believe that Equinox will get beat in the Dubai Shima Classic, and that is obviously not much of a price. But um, I've got a really good word on this horse called Seraphos. It's, uh, it's, it's in the Dubai turf. It's against Lord North. It's got Damien Lane on it, and he's such a classy jockey now. Since he's been riding in Japan, he's a really classy jockey. And um, he's won five races up to a mile. He goes up, I think he goes up a furlong extra. But they are very, very confident this horse will take an awful lot of beating. And we know what Japanese horses do. They are at the forefront of the thoroughbred world in racing at present. Yeah, yeah. And what they run in Dubai, every runner they have, you've got to give it a second look at. So let's see what happens, but I'm sure it'll be an exciting day's racing tomorrow. Thanks, Wally. We look some great racing to look forward to this weekend in both the UK and in Dubai as well. Of course, as our weekly look at Hong Kong. So we look forward to all of that coming up on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Well, that's all from us for today. We'll be back again next week as we take our usual look ahead to the weekend's racing action in the UK and indeed Hong Kong. So please make sure that you join us then. Don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips and follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music or Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released.